The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Are you glad to be in God's house this morning, church? I can honestly say, and, uh, and I'm not just saying this because this is the pastorally thing to say, but there's no other place I'd rather be right now than standing up here with God's Word, with you people who I call my dear friends, and this is, this is wonderful. So, Bibles, John, the 13th chapter, the 21st verse, John chapter 13, verse 21. It'll take us just a moment to get there, but we will indeed be there, so you have time to find it in your Bibles. John chapter 13, verse 21. So here we are, church, the last day of unveiling our vision, our core values. I'm so glad for this journey that we've been on together here. Uh, Just to give you a snippet of what's ahead, uh, next week I foresee there being a sermon that ties all of these things together. Today is, as I just said, the unveiling of the last piece of our vision, but I feel that next week will be a sermon tying all these things together to really make it clear, to make it certain what it is that God has called us to do and, and to, to make it plain among us. Uh, then after that, I foresee us going into a series of the title of which I'm not sure yet, but the topic of, of which I am sure, that will pertain to things of the end times. Uh, storm clouds may roll in and you may not know exactly when it's going to rain, but You have eyes to see when the storm clouds are forming. You can hear with your ears the breeze going through the tops of the trees. And and you know that at some point it's going to rain. And what I know is that we don't know exactly when the return of Christ will be, but I just think that maybe we see the storm clouds. That just perhaps in our world we're hearing the wind going through the tops of the trees. And and this is something that we must as believers go into with our eyes and our vision. Uh, Proverbs 29.18 says that Without a vision, the people perish. Uh, Without us, New Covenant Community Church, having clearly distinguished what it is that we're here for, why we exist, what it is that we're doing, we will indeed perish, if for anything else, because we won't know what we're collectively doing together. You've heard me mention before that usually one week out of the year, the men in my family will go up to northern Minnesota, where we spend a week uh, camping, fishing, and experiencing very, very primitive camping And usually as we're traveling from one campsite to the next, there's a certain rhythm with which we use the paddles and the canoes to travel about on all the numerous lakes that are out there. And there's a typical cadence with which we paddle and which we travel. Uh, Except for the last day. The last day, even though we are tired with bodies aching from having slept on the ground for a week and we're dirty without having showered properly for a week's time and we're tired and all these things, we will we will paddle the quickest and travel the fastest the very last day. Why? Because there's a vision of a burger and a Coke at the end of the paddle the last day. And the vision is strong. So I'm thankful for this church that that you've allowed me as your pastor to lead us as I feel God has led me in, in distinguishing that clear vision. I'm thankful that we've said that we are here. We exist. New Covenant Community Church is here today to praise Jesus through worship and the Word through God's holy word, through 
our worship, our singing, our voices, our fellowship together, those things are not things we're budging on. No matter who says we can't do those things, we're doing those things. We've said that we're here, we exist to proclaim the Gospel to our neighbors and the nations. The Gospel is the banner under which we, we, we reside, under which we function. That, that is the message that we are carrying forward first and foremost and above all else. We're here also to practice holiness through New Testament orders and ordinances. We're here to be a holy people, church. We're not here to live like the world. We don't expect them to understand the things that we understand. We don't expect for ourselves to make sense to them. But we are here to practice holiness, to be holy as He is holy. Now all of these core values, visions, purposes, or direction, whatever name you would like to call for these things that we have made plain and made clear in our church today, all of these things will undoubtedly shape the way our church looks in the future. Should Christ not return in the very near future and someday perhaps Daisy, my daughter, grows up in this church and she's an adult serving the church and loving Jesus and, and worshiping God here in this church, I, I believe that the things that we have nailed down and made plain will for sure formulate what this church looks like when that day comes for her. But this church is also being shaped today by these things. Uh, perhaps you have heard as I've kept you updated on the condition of things in California where they were first not allowed to sing because of the potential coronavirus and, and then they weren't allowed to meet. And perhaps you've heard of Grace Community Church led by Pastor John MacArthur, that wonderful man of God, uh, who I believe right now is probably preaching to people even though it has been said by the government that you can't meet. And, and I'm thankful that there are churches out there that have, have, are showing us what it's like to nail down a vision. They, they've made it clear that for them it's important to meet. It's important for God's Word to be preached. It's important for the Gospel to be shared. Those things have been nailed down and, and these things, I believe, will, will shape the way that we are right now. Now this next and last piece of our vision. It's why we're here this morning. It's why you're here this morning. It's why I'm here, not just as the pastor, but I believe that it is the avenue through which God used to call me and save me. This next piece of vision, it's the difference between whether or not your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, some of them will either experience hell or heaven based on this next piece of our direction. If you're ready to hear what it is, say yes. We'll start from the top if we already have those three. Let's say the first three together. New Covenant Community Church exists to praise Jesus through worship and the Word and to proclaim the Gospel to our neighbors and the nations and to practice holiness through New Testament orders and ordinances. Gentlemen, if you'd put the next one up, please. And to produce disciples marked by love and loyalty. And you might say, well, Pastor Ben, doesn't, didn't we already cover this? Didn't we cover this in the second piece of the vision, the proclaim the gospel to our neighbors and the nations? And I would say to you that this is very different. This is not a repeat of the second piece of the vision. Because I believe that we can make the very clear biblical distinction between proclaiming the gospel and producing disciples. Certainly, there's much overlap in these but I think that they can be distinguished in two separate activities proclaiming the gospel is this banner that's over our lives this is the glory of God that is always on our lips this is the sharing of the good news of the gospel and how God has saved us healed us redeemed us all the things that he has done 
The Gospel proclaiming, it's kind of like that man that was by the gate of the temple when Peter and John were going up to worship. And you remember this story. The man is there lame and he's asking, he's a beggar, he's asking for money. And he asks Peter for money and Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And what did that man do? He went walking and leaping and praising God. You remember the story. And, and, and there was this, this proclaiming of the good news of what it was that God had done in his life. This type of proclaiming the gospel, I think, could be described by Mark 16, verse 15, where Jesus says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I don't think that you have to be a firearms enthusiast to know how a shotgun works. It fires out many, many tiny, small pieces of lead or other material that, that then spread out. And it hits everything in the direction it's going. We're to be like that. The direction we're going, this Gospel message is supposed to go out in all directions from there. Now, producing disciples on the other hand. Producing disciples marked by love and loyalty. This requires much more focus. This is much more relational. This will cost you more. Cost more of what? Everything. Your time your resources, your energy, your prayers. This will cost more. And I'm not usually one that big on lengthy definitions of things, but I think a definition here of of disciple producing, producing this kind of disciple that will go and then replicate themselves is warranting of of a description. So let's go ahead and put that next slide up there, gentlemen. The intentional act of prayerfully guiding someone to life in Jesus in such a way that they are compelled to do the same for someone else. If you don't have a real good description in your mind of what discipleship is, I encourage you to write this down. The intentional act of prayerfully guiding someone to life in Jesus. And not just eternal life, but all the kinds of the abundant life, the, the blessed life, the trusting in Jesus, the peace that surpasses all. Guiding someone in their life in Jesus in such a way that they are compelled to do the same for someone else. I think this could be properly described by Romans 12, verse 10. It says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. So the person that you are to guide, to disciple, to to guide in this life in Jesus, this is someone you're supposed to give the preference to. You, you, You seek their benefit above your own. We see Jesus doing this for His own disciples. This is much more focused, much more intentional. This is much more like a rifle. One shot. One round. Precision aiming. This is not a widespread proclamation of the good news of God, which which we are to do, but this is a much more narrow, focused, intentional purpose of seeing that someone's life is guided in the Lord Jesus Christ. New Covenant Community Church exists to produce disciples marked by love and loyalty. Now Jesus, He made these kinds of disciples. Uh, Jesus' disciples, as we know them, were obviously unique parts of the body that were used greatly in God's kingdom. But there there was one that stood above the rest when it came to love and loyalty. And if you know your Bible well, you probably already know the direction I'm going with this. I'm talking about the Apostle John. John referenced himself. This is the, I hope you hear me right now because this is the overarching message. This is the piece that you must understand that this is why John was the way he was. John referenced himself not even by his name. You know how John referenced himself in Scripture? 
He referenced himself as being the disciple whom Jesus loved. John knew the love of Christ. He knew how much God loved him. He he had a glimpse, perhaps a little bit clearer than other people had, of, of just how much Jesus loved John. He loved him. And this caused John to have remarkable love and loyalty both to Christ and to the church, to his brethren. And church, hear me on this. Love and loyalty... This is desperately needed today. If you don't believe me, go on Facebook. (laughs) It's dangerous out there. Love and loyalty. And and here's why I believe this. In Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus is talking about progressing through the times as we come nearer to the time that Jesus returns. And He says, And because lawlessness will abound, doesn't that sound familiar? The love of many will grow cold. And I believe that The best I can tell from that Scripture, that's not distinguishing between believers and non-believers. It's just saying that love in general is just going to grow cold. There's going to be lawlessness and there's going to be this coldness in the love of people that that begins to grow cold. So so church, hear me on this. We must be devoted to disciples and disciple-making that is devoted to both love and loyalty, both to one another and to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I've hoped you've seen throughout this process of unveiling all of our vision and, and And what I hope you see clearly is that as we progress forward in history as a church, we're going to be the point of the plow. And and I'm not saying this to make us look good or cool or edgy, but, but we're moving into a place where we're nailing down some of these things that are going to be compromised on by many churches, and perhaps, I certainly hope not, because I know people from these churches and I know the pastors and I love these people, but but I would hate to think that, man, we could be going into a time where where we may be the only church in this whole area that's, that's, that's steadfast in worshiping the Word, that's steadfast in sharing the Gospel to our neighbors and the nations, that, that's not going to compromise on these things. And again, I don't say this to make us look cool or to be an edgy church. I say this because Jesus is our joy overflowing. Amen? He's a shepherd. He's a Savior. He's alive and He's coming back again, church. We do these things because Jesus has commanded us. So He loves us so much. New Covenant Community Church, we exist to produce disciples that are marked by love. So if you're in John chapter 13, you see verse 21 there. Go to part B of that verse, 21. And we are in the moment of the Last Supper and we we see Jesus' interaction with John, we know that much already. We know that Jesus loves John. We know that John is aware of this amazing love that Jesus has for him. And and watch what Jesus' love does in John's life. Just watch what happens. Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That's John. Verse 24, Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Now church, focus in here because this is so important. When you see this and see this clearly, I think the argument can be made very clearly that what John did not do 
was put his head back on the chest, bosom, breast. This is describing the chest, this part of the area of someone's body. You carry a baby in this way. And, and if you've seen depictions of the Lord's Supper, you know they had those pillows. They were kind of sitting kind of with their feet behind them and they would be kneeling on, or leaning against one elbow. And John was there next to Jesus and his head was right here on, on Jesus. And, and what I think can be made very clear is that John did not put his head on Jesus' shoulder and his chest like this and then say with this kind of, Lord, who is it with the attitude of which one of these losers is getting ready to betray you, Jesus? I don't at all think that that was the attitude of John. And here's why. Look closely at verse 22. It says, Then the disciples looked at one another after Jesus had just made His claim, perplexed about whom He spoke. They were looking at each other. The disciples were looking at each other like, well, who is it? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be you? Who, who's it going to be? Another one of the Gospels say that, that they looked around and said, is it I? They, they didn't look around thinking, oh, which one of these goobers is it going to be? No, they, they, have this, they have this thought of like, is it me? Could it be me that's going to deny Jesus? So paint this picture in your mind, church. Get, get this clearly in your mind as you interpret the Scripture. There's Jesus eating with His disciples. And John is leaning, literally his head is leaning against Jesus. And this is how John was a lot. He was so close to Jesus. And Jesus shares this news. Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And then John picks his head up. He kind of leans away from Jesus for a moment. The Bible tells us that. And I don't know about you, but if you and I were in the position of John right then in that moment, I don't know about you, but I know what I would have done is I would have stayed away. Like I would have stayed there and been like, I would have looked at Peter and then Peter would have motioned to me and then I would have... And then I would have recognized that Peter's trying to figure out to have Jesus since I'm sitting right so close to him to tell him so I can figure out who it is that Jesus is talking about here. And I would have stayed that way until I heard that it wasn't me. Because if I had that feeling in my heart like, man, I wonder if it's me that's going to betray Jesus. I would have, I would have kept my distance until I, re- oh, it's Judas. Oh, then I'm just going to be close to Jesus again. But listen, look at verse 25 now. With this feeling in, in, in John's heart, knowing that it could have been him. Verse 25, it says, Then... Leaning back on Jesus' breast, back on his chest, with that same feeling, church, that knowing that it could have been him. It could have been him who Jesus was speaking of. He leans back on Jesus and he says to him, Lord, who is it? Man, what a powerful moment there where John, he, he could, it could have been him. John had such a love for Jesus. He, he had such this clear love because Jesus loved him, because he was aware of the love of God that, that he had for John. John loved Jesus in this so powerful kind of way. It was almost as if John said, Jesus, I love you no matter what. Jesus, even if I'm the one that's going to betray you tonight, I'm still in this moment, I'm just going to put my head on your shoulder. I'm just going to enjoy being close to you right now because I love you no matter what. Jesus made the kind of disciples that loved Him No matter what, John was that kind of disciple. And I believe that we ought to make those kinds of disciples, church. Not a cheap, quick process of me preaching in a funny way that gets many people in the church, but us actually putting ourselves to the work of making disciples that are marked by love and loyalty. Now you might say to yourself, well, Pastor Ben, I mean, you already said Jesus told us that the love of many is going to grow cold. How in the world are we supposed to, in this crazy, nutty world we find ourselves in, how in the world... Are we supposed to make disciples that are marked by this kind of love and loyalty like John was? How, I mean, Jesus could do that. He was the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. He's omniscient, omnipotent. He's all those things that we aren't. How in the world are we supposed to make those kinds of disciples? 
And, and I, I feel you on that. I feel the doubt there. But, but listen to me. Listen to what Jesus says in John 14, 12. Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. So I don't think, church, I don't think it's, it's at all absurd to think that we can and will produce these disciples that are marked by this kind of love. If you believe that, say amen. We can do that, church. Yes, and even knowing that we're moving into a time when the love of many will grow cold and is already beginning to grow cold like Jesus said in Matthew 24. But what I'm calling New Covenant Community Church to do is to make these kinds of disciples, to make disciples that, that love Jesus no matter what, that are so changed by the love of God, that are so changed by His grace and mercy that, that they love Jesus no matter what, this no matter what kind of love for Jesus and for others that just overflowingly spills out of our lives. Now call me old-fashioned if you will, but I believe, I believe that people ought to put themselves to this kind of work. I believe that you ought to be a Paul to someone and a Timothy to someone else. I believe you ought to have someone that's ministering to you and mentoring you. And I believe that you ought to have someone in your life that you're ministering to and mentoring to. You ought to have someone in your life that's guiding you in this love Jesus no matter what kind of love. You ought to be doing the same for someone else. You ought to have those kinds of people. And can I just tell you, church, man, am I thankful for the men in my life, both past and presently, that that have coached me and ministered to me and and guided me in this loving Jesus no matter what kind of love. I I would not be here right now. I would not be even probably a pastor right now if it wasn't for the men that discipled me and guided me in this this no matter what. They, They so instilled in me the love that God has for me. That it gave me this, I can't do anything but love Him and love His church. It's, it has changed me and I'm so thankful for God having worked through those men and that continue to work me, work through those men and, and give me this no matter what kind of love. So church, who are you discipling? Like, who's your person? Who are you praying for? And, and yes, if you're a parent, you pray for your children. If you're married, you pray for your spouse. If you're dating someone, you pray for that person. But, but who are you discipling? Who are you praying for? Whose walk with Jesus are you guiding? This is something that we need absolutely every single person at New Covenant Community Church to be on board with. We must collectively as a church do this together. Uh, Senior people, the gray-headed saints, empty nesters, retiree folks, listen to me. I have been around church long enough, not just this church, but overall, to sadly see how some churches treat older folks. And if they were really super honest and they could write their perfect job description of a senior saint in their church, it would be someone who came to church, came to every church event there was, sat there quietly and gave out of their steady and sometimes abundant income. And I'm not going to pretend like that's not needed. I mean, and I know some pastors get a little funny when they talk about money and kinds of things. I mean, it's great that I can feed my family and save for the future. I mean, the church pays me, and I'm very grateful that, that I can minister freely in this kind of way, and it's a wonderful thing. So for you senior folks, don't, for, don't, don't let me get you to think that, that your giving is not important, but listen to me now. That's not the only thing we need you for. I need you. This church needs you. You have wisdom in your life. 
You have experiences in your life. There's probably nothing that I could go through that some of you haven't gone through and done three or four or five times. I need you in this church. The young people in this church, they need you. And there's certainly a wise way to go about mentoring the younger generation. It's not the, listen here, wet behind the ear, Sonny, I'm going to be your mentor now. There's, there's a wise way to do it of investing in a friendship of being careful of, of guiding them in Jesus and seeing that you're, that you're offering help when they're ready to receive the help that you have to offer. And young folks, and I'll let you determine if you're a young folk here, listen, you, you need someone to mentor you. You need someone to disciple you in this kind of love Jesus no matter what love. You need someone who will remind you of God's love for you. You need that. And for the really young folks, li- listen to me, people that are my age, listen to me. The generation that's coming up, and, 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 and I love, if you're a senior folk here, and you know my great love for you, the, the very young generation that's coming up, the older people will have a much more difficult time relating to, but you person my age, my generation, you will have a wonderful opportunity to pour in to the next generation in the same way that the other generation poured into you. New Covenant Community Church exists. We are here to make and to produce these disciples that are marked by love. If you're following me so long, say yes. Not only are we to produce disciples marked by love, but loyalty. If you're in your Bibles, I invite you now to go to John chapter 19. John 19, finding verse 25. And we fast forward to the moment of Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus is on the cross at this moment. And, and we see this display again of John in his wonderful... Remember, John is not doing this because he's, he's more disciplined than the other disciples. He's not doing this because of it, for any reason other than the fact that he's aware of God's love for him. He is the disciple whom Jesus loved. Listen to how this goes. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother... And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. John was a loyal disciple of Jesus Christ. It saddens me and it saddens me greatly to know that my generation, that people of the millennial generation, they're known for many things. Our great ability with technology, our intuition about certain things, our ability to work hard when we're able to, to grasp a hold of a vision, but our, our loyalty, loyalty is not one of the things that describes my generation. We're not a loyal society. We're not... That's why we've seen such a huge increase in the number of young people that will live together before married because they feel like they don't, they lack in loyalty. They feel like if this piece of marriage is not right the way they want it to be, then, then they're just not going to be loyal to that person. So they, they abandon God's design for marriage. We are not noted by loyalty. Now, if you're of the senior generation here and you're saying, get him, Pastor Ben, get that face stuck to the phone generation. Listen. You raised a generation of goofballs. So there's a reason for all of us to be humble before Jesus today. Trust me, okay? So what am I calling you to do, church? What is the vision of the future of our church? It ought to be one of loyalty. Let me ask you something. And this is an answer you need to answer not to me, but to your mirror. Would Jesus trust you with the care of His mother 
Some of us could not say yes to that today. And the answer ought to be yes. Does Jesus trust you with the care of the church, with His bride? Does Jesus trust you with those things? Is your life marked by loyalty? There's this great story that I heard of uh, a man named John Kenneth Galbraith. And, uh, and he was a famous economist in the early mid-1900s. Very famous, very successful, uh, very widely known. And, and many leaders would seek his counsel with his work as an economist. And he goes home one day after a very trialsome day at work, and he tells his housekeeper, whose name is Emily, he says, Emily, I am so tired. I'm going to lay down for a two-hour nap. I want you just to hold the calls. Every call that you take, take a message, and I'll just tell them I'll return them, but don't bring me any calls no matter what. I am so tired right now. So he goes to take his nap, and just shortly thereafter, the phone rings. And Emily, the housekeeper, walks up, and she picks up the phone. And much to her surprise, it was the president. It was Lyndon Johnson. And Lyndon Johnson says, uh, yes, I need to speak with John Kenneth Gilbraith right away. It's very important. To which Emily replied and said, I'm sorry, he's instructed me to hold the calls at this moment. Can I please take a message and have him get back with you? And he says, no, I, I really need to speak with him. I, this is an urgent matter. I need you to take the phone and go get him. I must speak to Mr. Gilbraith. And she says, I'm sorry, I, I cannot do that at this moment. I, I, I'm going to hold the call and I'll take a message and he'll call you back. And he said, I, I don't think you understand. I'm the president. I am Lyndon Johnson. I, I am asking you to, to go get him and get him on the phone. I must speak with him. And she says, sir, I don't think you understand. I don't work for you. I work for John Kenneth Galbraith, and he asked me to hold the calls. And right now, I'm going to hold the call, and if you'd like to leave a message, that'd be fine. Otherwise, this conversation is over. <laughs> Just shortly thereafter, uh, John Kenneth Galbraith, he, wa he wakes up and he calls the president back, and the president goes, uh, that housekeeper you have, Emily, I'd like for her to come work for me. <laughs> so what am I preaching to you, church? I'm preaching that if Jesus asks you to hold the calls, if there are certain things that Jesus asks you to do, if, if Jesus says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's, are, are you ready to hold the call for Jesus? Are you ready to tell the world that I work for the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you ready to render to God what is God's? I mentioned just a little bit ago John MacArthur and his church. They are this morning rendering to God what is God's, which is their gather, gathering and fellowship as believers. They're rendering that to God. They've told the world. They've told the government, government which is threatening them. They've told them we're holding the call. We're sorry, we cannot acquiesce to this request. We will meet regardless of what the repercussions were. They are holding the call. They're being marked by loyalty. Can we say that for ourselves, church? When Jesus asks us to present our bodies a living sacrifice, and all that entails from sexuality to drunkenness to whatever it is of, of even food for that matter, when Jesus says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and all these other things start coming in of temptations and sin and even food and drink, right, can we say that we're going to hold the call for Jesus? When Jesus says to pick up your cross and follow Me, which so many times goes in complete opposition of the world and its agendas of homosexuality and pornography and a spirit of anger and drunkenness. And even the popular things that people carry today in Black Lives Matter and the LGBTQ and all these things that are, are seeking for you to carry their mission. Can you say, I'm sorry, you don't understand. I work for Jesus. I'm holding the call. 
Proverbs 3, verse 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Don't let these things leave you, God's Word says. Let loyalty cling to you. So will you, church? This is not just something that we do in and of ourselves of holding the call, but will you guide people in this? Will you produce disciples that are marked by love and loyalty? Now listen to me. Listen to me carefully. You cannot instill in others what you do not have. If you don't have loyalty, if you don't have love, it's going to be very difficult for you to show someone else how to live their life before Jesus in that same kind of way. If, if you don't recognize God's great love for you, if you don't know how much He cares for you, it'll be impossible for you to go and then tell someone how much He cares for them. Do you have loyalty? The sad and very scary truth, church, is that I would say most people, and that includes our church, do not have this kind of loyalty to Jesus. And why do I say that? I say that because when the going got tough for the disciples, they scattered. They scattered. That's why it gives me so much hope to see that John MacArthur and his church, he, he's raised up some disciples that have love and loyalty in them. The going has gotten tough for them and they haven't scattered. Church today has become such a stupid game of, of making people comfortable and only say things so that people don't leave and, and make sure you construct this sentence just so that you keep as many people happy as possible. Listen, we are to be marked by love and loyalty and when the going gets tough, are we going to scatter or not? Or are we going to be found close to the cross? Listen, this coronavirus, I know all of us are sick to death of even hearing about it. I'm sick to death of me talking about it. But what I think just perhaps the, the devil has thought to himself that even still churches that are free to open and worship and all these things and, and they're still closed doors, they're still not meeting, all of these things, I think that just perhaps the devil has thought to himself, wow, that was easy. Put this thing out there and it leveled these churches. Listen to me, church. Coronavirus, pandemic or not, we must be strong. We must not scatter. I don't want to be a saved and scattered individual. I don't want to lead a church of people that scatter. I want to lead a group of people that are sta standing near the cross and found by. And I know that with the power of God we can do this. And here's why. There's two incredibly powerful words that I hope you didn't miss. Look back to verse 25. We're in chapter 19 of John. Look back to verse 25. There's two words that change everything here. It says, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by. Everyone say those two words with me. Standing by. John was standing by. The other disciples, I'm not even sure where they were. They're like peering from a distance. But, but, but John was standing by the cross. He, his, the love of Jesus had so impacted him that he, there he is, he's, stand, he's standing next to that big piece of wood where his Savior's hanging, bleeding, and dying on. He was found there. He was found standing by and not being scattered. And if anybody were to say, well, Pastor Ben, the other disciples, they were redeemed. Sure, they messed up and, and they, didn't, they weren't as love, full of love and loyalty as much as John was, but, but they were still redeemed. They're still in heaven today, right? And I would say, yes. But I'm convinced fully, I'm convinced so fully that John did the better thing. He was found to be standing by. He was found close to Jesus. New Covenant Community Church exists 
to produce disciples marked by love and loyalty. So what am I calling each and every believer at New Covenant Community Church to do? I'm calling you to hold the calls. I'm calling you to hold the calls of all the agendas that will creep up in the world and for you to say to those things, I'm sorry, I cannot take the call. I serve Jesus. I'm calling you to to lean on Jesus, have a no matter what kind of love for Jesus, to be so impacted by His love for you that that it makes you want to be close even when conviction comes your way. Even when the Word of God corrects you and, and, and makes you realize that you were really wrong and that you really Jesus really had a place to, to put you up and make a mockery of you but, and you feel this, this potential conviction coming but that you have this love, you're reminded of His great love for you that, that you still place your head and you lean into Jesus and say, Jesus, correct me if it's me. If there's a, a place in my path that has offended you, God, show me, but I'm leaning into you. I'm calling you, church, to be a people that does not scatter. I'm calling you to be a people that is standing by, standing by word and worship, standing by the gospel and holiness and love and loyalty, to stand by Jesus in these times. New Covenant Community Church exists to produce these disciples that are marked by this love and loyalty. We're to replicate this, not just in our own heart, but into our children and to those that are around us. I'm asking you to pray for someone to disciple. I'm asking you to have somebody that you you pray for every night. I'm asking you to have someone that you invite into your home. That you love them and care for them. That you guide their walk in Jesus. God's done some great things for you. He's protected you and, and, and preserved you through life. Good. Show someone else how to do it. Show someone else how to go through. Show some young lady how to go through a miscarriage. Young men, older guys, you show them how to, how to stay steadfast to their wife. You show them how to disciple their children. And do it with love. And do it with loyalty. I hope that you hear my heart that I'm not saying these things that if you would ever get this notion that this is some big scheme to get this church to grow, my goodness, it is not. But what I, what I know in God's Word is that when Jesus gives us the great commission, when He says, go therefore and preach the Gospel, go therefore and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go therefore and teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, there's only one response that's an obedient one. And it's, I'm gone. <laughs> Jesus, You say to do it, and I'm going. There's no other thing that you can say that's obedient. There's one response. It's yes and amen, Lord. I'm going. I'm gone. I'm doing it. So when we are to make disciples marked by this great love and loyalty, will we do it? Will we do it? David, if you would come and begin to minister with music, I would ask. New Covenant Community Church exists to produce disciples marked by love and loyalty, church. You know, if you needed a pan, a frying pan for your home, and there's certainly nothing wrong with this, but follow my illustration here. If you needed a frying pan for your kitchen, the common thing anymore is to go to Walmart and you buy one of those super cheap, non-stick deals that you pay a few bucks for and it lasts for maybe five or six months. And once that little non-stick stuff is worn off, you just you throw it away, you go to Walmart, and you buy a new one. And that's the quick and easy way to do it. But there's a different way. Uh, you could go and you could 
search high and low for a, a cast iron skillet made by some brand like Wagner that's no longer made anymore. And, and if it's new, you'd buy it. You'd pay more money for that than you would the cheaper one. And even when you get it home, it's got, because it's new, it's got all these very small, almost like a wrinkle finish. It just, it's, everything sticks in it. It's, it's very difficult to cook with the cast iron skillet when you buy a new one. But you keep using it. You keep scraping it. You keep cleaning it. You keep using it. You keep guiding it. Have you followed me so far in church? Eventually, that pan will get to where it's got like a mirror finish in it. You can just pour a cooked egg right out of it. It's incredible. And it'll last forever. It'll last forever. So we could do the cheap thing as a church. I, I, could, I could make my preaching fancy and we could just make it so that everyone's comfortable and we do this thing where it's just we try not to offend anyone and, and we'd make these cheap disciples that may or may not last and, and when they leave, we just go out and get some new ones. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that, and I certainly hope that you aren't either. But if we decide, church, that we're going to make disciples marked by love and loyalty, willing to do the hard work, willing to take the time, I mean, this is, this is a time process. And it's not always fun. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's difficult to have a young person that you're guiding, and they see life completely different than you. And you know that they're off. You know that they're completely off from the Bible, but you still continue to love them. You still continue to feed them God's Word. You still continue to encourage them. You still continue to remind them of God's great love for them. I believe it produces a disciple that, you, that is used of God's kingdom. And it's a disciple that will last. I'm excited about that. I can do that. I can lead a church in that. That makes me excited. That makes me happy to think that we could do that together, church. We can do that by God's power, by His grace. We can do that. Would you stand with me? If you don't know this great love of God, I'd love to tell you about it. I'd love to show it to you. I'd love to tell you about how it could take someone who would never otherwise be up here preaching, that could turn a preacher out of someone who used to teach people exercises and ride horses and that was like all I did I mean I'd like to tell you about this great love that can change you forever and you're welcome to come and talk to me about that at any time let's worship together as we pray Father we love you Jesus your church needs you our we are in great need of our shepherd today Jesus God, churches, you're, we have fallen because of, our, because of our adherence to traditions and not your word. Because of our adherence to our preferences and not your word. Because of our selfishness and, and not an adherence to your word. We have failed to make disciples. Any of them. But God, we're going into this phase where they must be marked by love and loyalty. We must be marked by love and loyalty. We must have it so that we can instill it in others. Would you lead us in this, Jesus? Would you lead us in, in being able to do things that we have never done before, ever? Would you give us that kind of boldness? 
Would you impress upon our hearts your love for us so that we can do nothing but be changed? But share those with you? Jesus, we thank you for the cross. The great love that has changed us. How selfish would I have to be not to want to instill the things that you've shown me into another young man? To show them how to be faithful to their spouse. To show them how to have a steady march before you. The things that I'm learning. The things that you're showing me, God. Would you bring young men to this church that I can instill that into, Father? Would you burden all of our hearts to have, to have those people that we disciple in this focused, intentional kind of way? This way that pleases you. This way that lasts. And this way that finds us standing by you. In Jesus' name. And all the church says...